0: Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. The offering already been taken up. We're good. Okay. Can we say, Lord, show us your glory"? glory. Thank you, Father. Oh, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word this morning, Lord. I pray that you use my vocal cords. Anoint our ears, Father, to hear you. Touch our eyes that we may see you. And I pray for a heart that would have understanding and receive revelation this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What an honor and a privilege. You just don't know. And I'm not going to cry because I just got started. So, But my, my son says, why do you always use props? <laughs> and I realize... This is 25 years that I've done children's ministry, or, or was, so that's why I do props, because I'm used to being with kids, teaching the kids. Well, the Lord reminded me of a story that I heard um, 35 years ago, actually. and I wanted to tell you the story, but I wanted you to really get it. So I thought of a prop. So Okay. Now, you can't keep unless you catch it. You've got to catch, it. you can only keep what you catch. You can only keep what you catch. The story is there was a man who stood on the top of a building and he threw out just hundreds and hundreds of gold coins. Well, everyone was trying to hold on to the coins, and there was this one lady that showed up with her apron. Who do you think caught the most coins? The lady with the apron. How much more should we catch God's word this morning? Underneath the chairs on the edges are some notepads and some pens, and I'm going to tell you the way you catch God's word. Is you write it down. You write it down. You writing it down is like having an apron. And you're catching God's word. There's been proven, proven tests on this. If you write it down, you'll remember it. And it's a little bit different than just putting it in your iPad, actually. Because it's actually writing it. Um, they say that if you will write down... There's a part of your brain that can hear something... And you think, oh, yeah, I could use that. And that's what you write down. And that's what you'll remember. Not just writing down just to write down, but actually writing down what God is speaking to you. Say, God's going to speak to me this morning. And I'm going to catch it. Hallelujah. Yes, you are. I believe you are. And you know what? That just shows honor. It really just shows honor to God and the word when you write it down, because the Holy Spirit reminds us only of those things that he's taught you. He can only remind you of the things that he's taught you. Amen. Okay. So I wrote myself a little note so I can remember, and I've got some props up here. All right. Are we ready? Okay. God's word is always going to reveal to us truth. And it's not going to be just some hazy out there truth. It's always going to be about us personally. It will. That's how powerful the word of God is. To take us to another level if we'll apply it and we allow it to penetrate our lives. To do the work it's intended to do. His word is alive, the scripture said. But unless we come to him open, we need to come to him open and exposed, unbandaged unbandaged, your wounds exposed, with no walls up, unoffended, unless, if we don't do that, then God's word can't become revelation to us. Amen? And secondly, it can't do its intended purpose in our lives, which is to bring out God fruit out of us. Amen? So, Our ultimate goal, anytime we come together, anytime we hear the word, is to be changed. It's not... I mean, it's a good story, but come on. God's word, his intention is to change us. Hallelujah. Okay, so this morning we are talking about making room or make room in your heart to receive his glory, a devoted heart. We're talking about a devoted heart this morning. A devoted heart glorifies God. Okay? It's what your heart desires and needs. It really is. It longs to be devoted, to be his and only his. Your head is what gets in the way of, your devo- of the heart being devoted, okay? And we're going to talk about our head. We're going to get our thoughts out of the way. But your head has to give your heart permission to turn to Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60. Your head's going to have to give your heart permission to acknowledge, to acknowledge his glory, to arise and wake up this morning. That's why we have a clock. How many of y'all like being awakened by? (laughs) Nobody likes to wake up in the morning. I don't know anybody that does, but you know what? Here's the thing. A devoted heart is going to wake up without an alarm. But today it's your alarm day. Today it's a wake-up call, okay? So let's look at Isaiah 60. And let's start at verse 1. It says, Arise. Arise. That means get out of bed. Get out of bed, a place of slumber. It's a place of inactivity where nothing's affecting you and you're not affecting anything. Okay? All right. This is God talking this morning. It's not Pastor Annette, but listen. Arise. It says from the depression. I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says arise from the depression and the prostration. And that means because you're collapsed and you're exhausted. You're trying to take care of your own stuff. In which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. It says Shine. Yeah. Shine. Yeah. Be radiant. If you're shining, everybody can see you. If you're shining, you're reflecting him. Amen. It says, shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Whew. Verse 2. It says, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and dense darkness all people's but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. Hallelujah. In order for breakthrough to happen in our lives, his glory has to be more. And, and pastor Justin talked about this last week. It has to be more than just a mental ascension. We can't just say, God, show me your glory, show me your glory. And you know, up here, but you don't know in here. Okay. It has to become a personal revelation, like Pastor Rick was talking about, in order for the glory to be seen on other peoples, it says, nations. Say, I'm about to get a new heart. You are. I'm telling you, you are. We already know we're called to grow from glory to glory, from one degree to another. But some of us have fallen asleep in between levels. You've gotten comfortable. I've gotten comfortable. We've become okay and content. And God is saying, awaken your heart for more. Make room and desire more. To get more. To not miss the more. Because there more is here. His glory is here. And if you stay asleep, you're going to miss it. I want us to keep your hand or keep something on Isaiah 60 we're going to go back to that but i want us to look at Luke 19 Luke 19 verse 42 There's only two times that i know of that Jesus wept one of them was when Lazarus died and the other one was Luke chapter 19 when he's looking out at it, the city And it says in verse 41, it says that he saw the city and he wept audibly, audibly over it, exclaiming, would that you had known personally, if you would have just recognized and welcomed me, my glory. In the King James, it says, if thou hadst known, even thou, the fact that he uses that repetition of thou in the broken form of the sentence, it tells of an intense emotion. He's saying, if you would have just recognized that I was in your presence, in your presence. Look at verse 44, the second part. It says because you did not come progressively to recognize and know the time of your visitation when God was visiting you. It says that he, now it's going to be hard to express. He said it's as if he was giving them over to their self-absorption. I was reading a commentary and it says, They were given over to their self-absorption, to their blindness, to their hardness of heart. A spirit of slumber and stupidity had seized them. They could not discern the signs of the times and so disbelieved Jesus as the Messiah and rejected him as such. If they would have believed in him spiritually to the saving of their souls, they would have been spared from outward calamities and would have enjoyed God's peace and prosperity, those things that belong to Christ. God is saying, I'm here, I'm at your door, and you need to acknowledge me. Make me real in your life. That's what that word acknowledge me means. Behold me. We've been hearing about behold. God's getting us ready. He's setting us up. He's telling you this is what you need to do. Behold me. God, the I am. Am I God in your life? Acknowledge me means show honor, acceptance, respect, approval, agreement. Have you ever walked into a room and have been ignored? I mean, like, if you have teenage kids, you can actually walk into a room with your hair on fire, and they will not notice you. But if they need gas money, they will notice you. <laughs> but that is, like, the most amazing, that's one of my biggest things, It's like, I don't like to be ignored. I want to be acknowledged without having to set my hair on fire. But, and it's like God is saying, acknowledge me. Make me real in your life. I love, I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I love that scripture. Verse 6 says, if you acknowledge me in all your ways, if you acknowledge me in all your ways, I'll direct you. I'll guide you. I'll direct you. But I'm standing there. He is such a gentleman. He really is. He is not going to go, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Hey, do you need me? Do you need me? I'm here. Hey, do you need me? No. He wants you to actually turn to him, acknowledge him, and make him real in your life. And that means a devoted heart. Paul prays in Ephesians three seventeen through 19. He says, I ask God to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. I'm reading out of the message. Christ will live in you. If you open the door, you open the door and invite him in. And he says, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. I want us to read Romans 13. I'm going to read it to you out of the message. It says, make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted. Remember that word, prostration? Arise from that laying down state. He says, make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all of your day-to-day obligations that you lose the track of time and doze off oblivious to God. Can I tell you that's what God wants to do? He wants to put you to sleep. He He wants you to be asleep, asleep to what he's doing. It says the night is about over. Dawn is about to break. You're about to hear the alarm. Be awake, be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work. He began when he, when we first believed, you heard pastor Cassie talk about that. There's more, there's more, There's more to when you first believe. There's more. There's more. We can't afford to waste a minute, he says. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. He says, get out of bed and get dressed. Don't don't loiter and linger waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ. Put your glory clothes on. Come on and be up and about. Whew. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God is passionate and he is persistent about pursuing you. He is. And he wants us to be passionate about pursuing him and persistent. Hallelujah. So number one, we need to arise to make room for his glory. We need to shine. We need to see that God has already placed his glory on the inside of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. God desires. <laughs> you know what? What God desires for, somehow he gets us to ask for it yeah. through Dr. Savell. What did Dr. Savell tell us we needed to pray every day? Show Lord, show yeah. Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me your glory. Because he's like, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want to show up. I heard a story one time, obviously it was a long time ago, but um, of a man who was walking through town and you know it, if you're older, you know there were windows in the stores and they would display things in the stores. And this man saw this awesome bike in the store and he had a son. And this bike was like metallic green. It had the flag and the banana seat, you know, and it was like awesome. And he's thinking this bike would be awesome for my son, but it is like almost a year away from for his birthday. But he went in and he bought it and he put it up in the attic. And he thought, a whole year I've got to convince him that he wants that bike and ask for that bike. And he did. But that's what, our, that's what God our Father does. He's got things up in the attic. And he's going, I just need you to ask for it. Just ask for it. Ask for it because I already got it for you. And I can't wait to give it to you. You know? And that's what he's done. Go back to Isaiah 60. Look at verse 3. Let me I'm going to read 2 again. It says for behold darkness shall cover the earth in dense darkness. Do you know why there's darkness in the earth? Cuz the devil doesn't want them to see your glory. You've got to awaken to what's already on the inside of you. Okay? It says for behold darkness Shall cover the earth in dense darkness, but the Lord shall rise upon you and his glory shall be seen on you. Verse three says, and nations shall come to your light. Nations, people groups, that's people. Psalms 2.8, God says, ask me and I will give you the nations. Okay. I know years ago, God showed me this scripture and I'm thinking nations. I just, I would just really like my family to come to you, Lord. I'm, I'm not, I'm not concerned for nations. I, you know, just my kids, my mom and dad, you know, all of us, at, you know, HFCC, if we could just, and he said, no, ask me for the nations. In fact, that is actually God talking to Jesus saying, ask me, ask me for the nations. See if I won't give them to you to be our inheritance. He is pleading, he is begging for the heathen of the world, God is, and he's saying, I want them to come back, and they're going to come back because of us, hallelujah, they're going to come back because of us. We've been talking about the faithful shall flourish, they will abound with blessings, those who are faithful to follow me constantly and continually with your whole heart and not out of obligation. But devotion. Do you know that there's, there, are, there is something that is stronger than God's word in your life? And that's you. You. You can nullify the word of God in your life with your religious thinking, with your works, your works, your religious thinking. The Bible says that. If you're only here out of obligation, then that's a religious mindset. He doesn't want you here just because of obligation. He wants you here because your heart is devoted to him. Faithfulness, and God gave me this. He he said, faithfulness is the evidence of a devoted heart. It's the compulsion or reaction to be or stay fixed. God's pretty cool because he says things twice. Do you know what stay fixed means? Fixed, fixed. He's like, stay fixed. Fixed, like really fixed. Faithfulness is the evidence of a devoted heart. The compulsion or reaction to be or stay fixed. It's devotion. Unchanged, unmoved. It means love. It means loyalty. Enthusiastic commitment. It sounds sacrificial, doesn't it? But not to a devoted heart. I'm going to tell you this one story. Don't put the pictures up yet. When I think of devotion, when I think of devotion, I think of soldiers on the front line. God says he honors those that are devoted and loyal. I read a story of a a young soldier or a, a Navy pilot, actually, his name was Hudner, who risked his life by putting others first in 1950. He crash-landed his Corsair, I don't know if I'm saying that right, F4U fighter plane. He crash-landed his plane to rescue a friend, a fellow aviator, Jesse Brown, which is the Navy's first black pilot, who had crashed because the Chinese forces had shot him down. That's demotion. You don't even think twice about crashing a plane. I want Tessa to put up those two pictures. That is Hachiko. Hachiko was the dog that belonged to Izaburo Yeno. He was a um, professor in Tokyo University, and he had long wanted a Japanese Akita dog, and he adopted Hachiko as a puppy. And they became really good friends. In fact, the story says that he loved his dog so much, he treated him as his own son. So the two of them were inseparable. And Hachiko grew older, and he started to go to see his owner off to work in the morning they would go to the train station in central Tokyo and then in the afternoon Hachiko would be right there waiting for the train to get back and in 1925 on May 21st two years after he'd gotten Hachiko he was at his place waiting for his dear Isaburo to come back but his owner never showed up. Isaburo had suffered a cerebral hemorrhage and had died but where did the dog stay? Right there waiting. Someone ended up getting him and taking him home. and But for the rest of the 10 years that that dog lived, it kept going in the morning and in the afternoon to see him off and to to come get him. In fact, everybody found out about him and he became a celebrity all over Japan. They called him the faithful dog. Then I want you to look at this other picture. This is, her name is Merlene Connor. She lives in St. Kitts. Who lives, she lives in a rural area, and she helps her 20-year-old son, Devron, get to school every day. He's 20 years old. She doesn't give him a ride in the car. She carries him. Devron is a student at a college in the capital city, and for three years, students have watched Merlene help her disabled college-age son get an education in the most incredible way. He was born with a defect and he can't use his feet because they're underdeveloped, so he can't walk. And they live in a rural area, so she carries her son to school every day, rain or shine. She helps him get his college education by carrying him back and forth. She doesn't regret one minute of what she does for her son. As a mother, she puts his needs first, her desires don't matter. That's a devoted heart. How much more, how much more should our hearts be devoted to God? He's devoted to us. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus is devoted to us. He stayed on the cross, did he? He could have called, the word says, 10,000 angels, but he didn't. But he didn't. Hallelujah. I want us to look at... Um, 2 Timothy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, it says, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. Fan it into flame, stir it up. Don't let God or the gift of God settle to the bottom It doesn't just need a Sunday stir, okay? We're all good at Sunday stirs. (laughs) We stir up God, listen to worship music on the way to church so that we've got our God gifts stirred up. Okay? I'm going to read it out of the, I'm not sure what translation this is. I've got, 2 Timothy 1 and 2 and then 6 through 10. It says, my beloved son, I pray for a greater release of God's grace, love, and total well-being to flow. That word flow means continually, in and out. It doesn't mean just all in. It means in and out, okay? So number one, make room for his glory. We must arise, get out of bed. Number two, you have got to agree with this prayer and allow the glory of God to flow out of you okay? We're going to stir it up. Have you ever seen, I mean, isn't it a flame just mesmerizing fire? It like consumes. Can I just tell you fire means passion. Can I stir it up? People, passionate people make noise. They're excited. Okay. Stirred stirred up people. I heard stirred up people this morning when the worship team was practicing this. They were making some noise. Okay. So he says, awake the fire, that gift of God, fan it into flame, rekindle it. It literally means excite the gift. Okay. The spiritual gift of God that I imparted to you. He says, when I laid my hands upon you, for God didn't give you a spirit of timidity, of fear. I mean, really? Now, I understand when I first came into the faith, it's like, oh, I just don't want God to kind of like, what if he just takes over and, and what's going to happen? What am I going to do? I don't want to be one of those that falls on the floor and starts laughing all over the place. Really? No, I don't want to do that. Please don't let me fall down. I don't want to fall down. I don't want to be, I don't want to speak in tongues. I don't want to cry because I'll mess up my mascara, you know? It's like devoted heart, doesn't care. (laughs) Devoted heart, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours to command, Lord, as Kenneth Copeland says. I love it when he says that. I'm yours to command, Lord. And he's going to speak to your heart. Now, I don't believe, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he'll ask you to crash your plane and to rescue somebody else. I don't know what he's asking you, but he wants to be seen through you. Amen. Amen. His glory, his presence, his power. Amen. When that that word that we read in, in Isaiah, it says, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It doesn't actually mean the Shekinah glory. It actually means the presence, the presence, the embodiment, the Him him he wants to live through you through you this message is for the peoples you're here you know jesus you know him but there's peoples there's nations there's people that are living in darkness and you have the light you're not called to be a light in here how good is a light inside of a light really No, he's called you out there to be a light. Be a light out there, out there. Get stirred up for out there. We can get stirred up in here all day long. We can get stirred up. We can be here forever, be fine. But we need to be stirred up out there. Be awake out there. We walk out of here and it's like we're sleepwalking. We're sleepwalking. And I'm going to tell you what, the devil, okay, we're going to talk about this word devoted. Devoted. The opposite of devoted is divided. The opposite of devoted is divided. Do you know what divided means? You're distracted. How many of y'all are distracted? Do y'all get easily distracted? Easily. Easily distracted. And you know what? That is the devil's... That's a scheme to distract you. To divide you. Because divide means your attention is divided. All of a sudden, you were paying attention to this, but now you're a squirrel. You're looking this way, you know? You know? And, and, and the devil will do that. He'll distract you. You go to, to spend some time with the Lord, and then all of a sudden, you notice you've got to go do this, or you've got to go do that. Yeah, come on. That's just how he works. He's like, I can't get them to sin. I can't get them to blatantly sin. You know what? So I'll just distract them. I'll just keep distracting them all day long to divide your attention, to keep you from being devoted. That word "d" means stop. Stop voted. That means there's no other options. If I'm devoted, there's no other options. There's no other options. There's nothing else. That's what devoted means. There's no other options. I've stopped voting. I've stopped looking for another candidate to take my life for me to give my affection to, for me to give my life to. There's nothing else. That's it. And that's what he's calling us to, a devoted heart. If you have a devoted heart, then you won't let the nations go. You're not going to. And he's called us to be sober-minded called to be sober-minded. Let's look at Colossians 2.8. Colossians 2.8 says, so be on guard, stay sober-minded. That means don't allow your mind to be deceived, inebriated, or under the influence of the world's views. If you're sober-minded, it's the opposite of being under the influence of something else. Don't be conformed or pressured to think like the world. Know what you believe. Don't mess around with opening yourself up to the world's philosophies. Colossians 2, 8, it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, that means empty and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. The New Living Translation says, don't let anyone capture you. Entrap you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. We are not, we're not to be afraid of this world, but we are called to this world, okay? I want us to look at Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 11. Jesus came to save us from sin. We are called to this world. We know we're called to this world. We're not to be afraid of the world. We're called to be a light to the world. But you know, when Jesus walked with sinners and ate with sinners, he didn't leave them sinners. He did not leave them sinners. Amen message translation of Romans 5.11 says, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work. Okay. The barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. (laughs) Straightforward. Rip the covers off those frauds and see how attractive they look in Christ's light, in the light of Christ. That's it. Wake up from your sleep, it says. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. What does that mean? Think on me. Behold me. Remember me. Remember me. Use your head. When we take communion, we remember what Christ did for us. Okay, that's going to keep us on track. That's what's going to cause you to to stay devoted. When you remember who he is, when you behold him and remember what he's done for you. So it says, use your heads. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Think of the clock. It's time to wake up. Look at verse 18. It says, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. It cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God. Huge droughts of him. Big gulps, it says. And I love this part. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. (laughs) Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our master, Jesus Christ. Verse 21 says, out of respect for Christ, out of devotion for Christ... Be devoted to one another. Be courteous and reverent to one another. So how do I know if I'm being deceived? How do I know if my heart is not devoted? Have you gotten used to or comfortable living without when he died to give you more? That's how you know. That's one, reason, one way to know. Have you gotten comfortable living without when he died to give you more? We're going to look at Jonah. I know, it's like Sunday school. Here we go. We're going to look at Jonah. Have we gotten used to and comfortable living without? The story of Jonah is, it's believed that, actually, that he um, actually had a ministry. He really did have a ministry. He's mentioned in other books. And in chapter 1, in verse 2... God even tells Jonah, "Arise!" So, guess who's been asleep? Yeah. Apparently, Jonah. Yeah. He's given a chance to arise. He's telling him, "Get up, and I need you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim against it, for their wickedness has come up upon me." What did, what did he do? He went on a cruise. He went fishing. He went fishing. He took off on a cruise. Isn't that cool? Actually, it's not cool. Okay. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says it's the men. They say he's, he fled from being in the presence of the Lord. He fled from the glory of God, from God's presence. What is God's glory? It's his presence. It's his power and his goodness. Is it not the goodness of God that says to you, you know, those people over there, they're like, you need to go talk to them. And you're like, they're on their own. I'm going fishing. (laughs) That is a heart. That's pretty much not devoted. That is, that's why he said to him, arise, I need you to wake up. Okay. And so we know what happened to Jonah. We know. And it's the funny, I read chapter two and I've read it and I've read Jonah before, but this was really funny to me that it took him three days, three days, three days how many days do you need to be in the belly of a fish before you start to pray to God? It really just dawned on me. I'm like 3 days. I was telling I was telling Stephanie this morning I've been on a 40-day fast and I've been eating fish. Only fish. <laughs> it's like I, I don't want fish anymore. It smells like fish. Everything smells like fish. So I and then, so then it was kind of hilarious that God said, "Look at Jonah." And I'm like, "No, really? <laughs> Look at Jonah." So Jonah, it's, it's funny because look at chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to what he says. I'm thinking this is the third day he's saying this. He said, I have been cast out of your presence. <gasps> really? You have been cast out? I think, buddy, you took a walk. You're the one that took a walk. He really did. He says, I have been cast out of your presence and your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Yet I will behold. I will behold. He, he, he got it turned around, didn't he? I will behold. Look at verse 7. Listen to this. It says, when my soul fainted upon me, crushing me, I earnestly and seriously remembered the Lord. He remembered, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Please pay attention. Look at verse eight. Those who pay regard to false, useless, and worthless idols, that word pay regard means those who spend time listening to, reading about, watching, messing around with worthless idols forsake their own source of mercy and loving kindness. It took a belly of a fish for him to get wise. Look at verse nine. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Do you know what remembering does? When you remember how good God is, what what comes next? Thank you. You start thanking him. Can I tell you that when you remember him, When you behold him and you become thankful, your heart gets more devoted. It just does. It just does. And he says, I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation and deliverance belong to the Lord. In verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And I wrote down, remembering what God has done, who he is, this is what will get you vomited out of your fish. <laughs> and I wrote down, I'd rather be fish vomit than God vomit. Yes. Because what does he say? If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And An undevoted heart is a lukewarm heart. If you're not devoted, then you're lukewarm. You're, your heart's not devoted. It's divided. You're not on fire. You're like, mm, we'll see what fire I like best. I'll go here and I'll go there and I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this and I'll do that. and That's a divided heart. And that's lukewarm. That's called God vomit. And God's wanting us to awaken, arise, remember, remember and thank him. So verse 10 can happen. Because it was, it was interesting to me that that's when he, he got spit out. I'm like, yes, Lord. Okay, we're doing this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit's giving us a wake-up call. Wake up to your enemy's strategy, strategy, strategy to plan to divide you, to conquer you. That's that's his plan. I know you've heard this before, and if you haven't, God's word says that He is a jealous God. And I know when we think of that word, it, it doesn't have a good connotation, but that means He will not share your affection with anyone or anything. That's what that means. That's exactly what that means. I'm not going to share you. I am not going to share you. You're either all mine or you're not. And we're going to go to 1 Kings. What does it look like to be devoted and not divided in your everyday life? Sincere, solemn constant, earnest, real, and true. The state of being dedicated, consecrated, solemnly set apart for a particular purpose. He says, to have a devoted heart towards me, you must know me by beholding me. See me for who I am. Acknowledge me. Give attention to my presence and my power and my goodness in your life. Father, I pray this morning that we would take the initiative with our relationship with the Lord this morning. That's been my prayer. That you would make the first move. He's standing there, he's waiting on you. He wants to give us abundant, glorious living. That's that is his desire to show up in your life so that he can be seen through your life. But it is my move. It's your move this morning. It's our move this morning to make room to know him. 1 Kings verse 21 Elijah's asking the people and he says to them, how long? How long? How long are you going to waver between two opinions? See, they were worshipping Baal and Baal is representative of the world today. It's what the world says, and what the world says is okay. And he's asking them, how long? How long are you going to waver? I won't accept a a divided heart. He says, if the Lord is your God, then follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And it says the people wouldn't answer. They were silent. They were silent. There was a severe famine in the land. There was no rain, and um, they 're trying to decide well, if it 's your God, then let 's do this, and if God does it, then we 'll believe in your god and and sometimes a lot of a lot of times we won't go all in because we're, we're thinking, well, if God would just do this in my life, then I'll go all in. If I would just find a husband, then I'll go all in. Or if my husband got straightened up, then I'll go all in. Or if my wife gets straightened out, then I'll go all in. If I had more money, then I'll go all in. If my kids get saved, then I'll be all in. If I just had a better job, if something, if something, if something, if he would just show up in my life, then I, he is, he has, he, he is here. Or if, you know, if when I go to that convention or that convention and I hear that person speak, then I'll be all in. If I could just hear just the right message or just see the right miracle, then I'll be all in. And he's saying now. Now's the time. Now's the time. But actually, that's what happened here. They took a bull one of their bulls, cut it in pieces and put it on the altar. And they said, you call on your gods, see if he can consume it. See, if, Call on your gods. Well, of course, they never, nothing ever happened. And, and Elijah's kind of like, was he asleep? Is Did he go on a vacation? Maybe he's with Jonah on a boat or in the belly of a whale. I don't know. He, he didn't show up. But I love this. I love this. Look at verse 24. Woo. listen, (laughs) listen, look at verse 24. It says, then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord and the one who answers by fire. Let him be God. I'm going to tell you this morning, God had me write this down in my Bible. When you call on him, he shows up with fire, a passionate heart, a devoted heart, but he's waiting on you. To call on him, acknowledge him, behold him, and call on him, he shows up with fire. And he actually did. They drenched it. They drenched the altar. They made like a moat around it and put water. And he's like, nope, more water. Nope, more water. And and then it was consumed. And then, and then what happened? Well, the people are like, he is God. Yes, we choose you. Verse 39. Yes, that's the Lord right there. That's him. I, I knew it all along. That was him. It's like, Oh, my goodness. I love verse 41, though. Oh, I think it was Pastor Rick preached about this one time. He said, well, glory has a sound. The glory of the Lord has a sound. It does. It has a sound. It does. And he said it. He said it. He says it here in verse 41. He, e- Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Rain, rain, it's coming. Rain is like his outpouring. It's his glory. And Elijah heard it. He's like, there's a the sound. It's coming. I hear it coming. Look at verse 44, because he goes out and he actually doesn't see it. And he tells him, no, go back again, go look again. And he comes back and he's like, I don't see anything. Go, go look again, go look. And it says the seventh time in verse 44, the servant said, a cloud as small as a man's hand is arising out of the sea. And it may be small. (laughs) It may be small, but it's coming. God is going to do a work, a mighty work, but he's waiting on us to call on him. Remember him. Call on him. Don't be afraid. Call on him. Amen. I want us to close our eyes. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think and remember him, behold him this morning, behold him, his goodness, his goodness in your life. How do I know God is good? You're here. You are here. If you can hear my voice, God is good. If you can hear my voice, God is good and you are here. Oh, father, we thank you. Just begin to thank him. Begin to thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, Hallelujah, Lord, we thank You, we thank You, we thank You, we thank You, Lord. Thank You for Jesus. Thank You. Thank You. Thank You for Your body that was broken for me. Thank You, thank You for Your blood that cleanses me. That makes me pure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we praise you. Oh, I thank you, Father, that glory has a sound glory as a sound and I will not be silent. We will not be silent. <clears throat> your glory can be heard and your glory can be seen and it's going to be heard and seen through these people, yes. through us, through me, be heard and be seen through me, through me, say through me, through me, God. you commit to God this morning to give him your whole heart and you're saying I want a devoted heart I'm ready to get up I'm ready to wake up I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready then stand to your feet stand to your feet thank you Father (laughs) thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus.